Hi, this is Mac from Mac's List. Before we start the show, I want to let you know about my new book, Land Your Dream Job Anywhere. I've been helping job seekers find meaningful, well-paying work since 2001, and now I put all my best advice into one easy-to-use guide. My book shows you how to make your resume stand out in a stack of applications, where you can find the hidden jobs that never get posted, and what you need to do to ace your next job interview. Get the first chapter now for free. Visit maxlist.org slash anywhere. This is Find Your Dream Job, the podcast that helps you get hired, have the career you want, and make a difference in life. I'm Mac Pritchard, your host and publisher of MaxList. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Ben Forstag and Jessica Black from the MaxList team. This week, we're talking about how to answer one of the most popular job interview questions. Tell me about yourself. Almost every hiring manager you meet in a job interview will ask, tell me about yourself. It's a simple question, but your answer offers an opportunity to stand out in the hiring process, says this week's guest expert, Catherine Burek. She and I talk later in the show. Most of us will work into our 60s or even later, and one or more of your future jobs may not even exist yet. To prove the point, Ben Forstag has found a list of jobs today that didn't exist 10 years ago. He'll share it with us in a moment. You interview for a job, but the employer chooses another candidate. And later you learn, uh, according to the employer, that you're overqualified. What does this really mean, and what can you do about it? That's our question of the week. It comes from Andrew Cameron in Portland, Oregon. Jessica Black offers her advice shortly. As always, let's check in with the MaxList team. Uh, well, Jessica, welcome back. You were out of town for our last uh, episode or two. Thank you. It's good to be back. Yeah, it's, uh, we missed you. Uh, we had a, a great co-host filling in for you, but it's always good to have you here in the studio. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So our, our topic this week is a question we've all gotten at different uh, in, in an interview. I, I, I think it's a perennial one. And that's when the interviewer says to you, Tell me about yourself. Ben, Jessica, how have you two answered that question in your own job searches? Uh, what have you said or what have you heard when you've interviewed people that has impressed you? Well, I was born on a cold November morning in 1979. <laughs> it was a dark and stormy night, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, perhaps. I don't remember it. It, uh, it was Ohio. It was Ohio, so it probably was dark and stormy. Um, I think, I'm jesting there, uh, you know, I think one of the, the problems people run into with this question is they go into their full biography, and that's not really what the interviewer is looking for. Uh, what I try to do is do a very quick, like within two sentences, summarize my professional career, and then go right into why I'm sitting at the table uh, talking to this person and what I hope to do for them and what I hope they can do for me as well. Um, I don't actually ask this question when I interview people. I usually ask them a much more direct question, which is, what are you doing here today? 
you know, tell me why you're here. Um, but it gets at the same idea, which is um, what about this position and this organization interests you and how can you help me uh, if we brought you on board? I think you asked me, tell me about yourself. No, I'm almost <laughs> positive. I said, what, what brings you here today or why are you here today? Uh, I can go get my notes. Okay. Memories, memories are differing. That that must have been the other starting, startlingly attractive <laughs> and brilliant person who interviewed you for some other so job. So true, right? Easily confusable. Well, it sounds you like you got that question either from Ben or or in other interviews. Well, I could have sworn it was right? Ben, but I don't know. It has been almost six months, so maybe my memory is fading. But um, yeah, I I generally like Ben said, try to keep it as brief as possible, but give a sort of robust profile of who I am as a person and how my history has brought me to the place that I am now. But I usually say, you know, I'm a, I'm a born and raised Portlander to kind of give a little bit of personal touch as well. And then um, a brief little history of the, the, th- the common threads of my work history yeah, I'm following in the footsteps of you two. I I break it into three parts: uh, the the who, you know, who I am, and um, and then the why, what what why I'm I'm interested in the job, and then the third part is the how, what how I think I can help this employer. And if I can do that in two to three minutes, I, in in a way that can spark a conversation uh, while leaving an impression, I I think I've done my job. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Well, we'll hear more about this from from Catherine because uh, she is expert on this question. She's actually written a book about it. Wow. I'm excited to hear what she says. Yeah. But first, let's turn to you, Ben. Uh, And you're out there every week poking around the Internet looking for tools, tips, books, and other resources people can use in their job search. What have you uncovered for us this week? This week, I want to share an interesting list of jobs that didn't exist 10 years ago. And I want to give a hat tip on this resource to Hannah Morgan, who was actually our guest way back on episode 55. Uh, she shared this on her Twitter account. You can follow her at Career Sherpa. I happened to see it when I was working on my show notes last week and thought it would be a good resource to share with our listeners. Great. Well, what what jobs are on the list? Well, before I get there, I want to highlight one thing that I, I think happens a lot. Uh, I know when I was in high school, we had like our once a year meeting with a career counselor and he or she would ask us like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And we were supposed to have all the answers. And I feel like that's something that repeats itself over and over and over again, uh, including frankly in interviews when people say like, where do you want to be in five or 10 years? And usually my response to that is always kind of shrugging and putting my hands up. Um, and the truth of the matter is our careers evolve and change and go in directions we don't predict ahead of time. And part of that is the economy itself and the opportunities that are available are constantly changing and things that we couldn't imagine 10 years ago exist as good paying, awesome careers now. So uh, these are the 10 careers that didn't exist 10 years ago, way back in uh, 2007. Are you ready for it? I am. Uh, I was going to say podcast hosts might be on the list, but I think podcasts have been around since 03 or 04. I think they were like in their infancy, but they were around. Okay. So uh, here are the 10 jobs that didn't exist 10 years ago. Uh, app developer, social media manager, Uber driver. I don't think Uber was around five years ago at this point. Uh, driverless car engineer. Uh, <laughs> that's barely around now, but it's yeah. coming. Uh, cloud computing specialist. 
big data analyst slash data scientist, sustainability manager. This is, these are the people who make sure that uh, businesses are being eco-friendly and uh, minimizing their ecological footprint. YouTube content creators. I was barely aware that this was even a job, uh, let alone two years ago. But uh, people are making some big money doing this. Drone operators. And the final one, millennial generation experts. And I actually know at least one millennial generation expert. So, it okay. That's uh, quite a list. Now, what advice do you have for our listeners who are thinking about this? Well, how do I prepare for jobs, for example, that I don't even know might exist in five or 10 or 15 years? You know, I don't think there is a way to, to fine-tune your resume for a job that doesn't exist yet. Uh, I think there are certain skills uh, that you work towards, certain kind of subject matter expertises, for example, or just kind of general soft skills like communications or writing or things like that. Um, and, you know, if you're a real tech expert, for example, and uh, you've got a deep proficiency in coding or some other aspect of the tech industry, you're probably better placed than most uh, when a new subspecialty within the tech space opens up. And I think that's true for just about any industry. The key here, though, is uh, don't try to build a roadmap for your entire career ahead of time. Um, and all these new opportunities are coming up all the time. And so you just need to be aware, stay uh, informed, stay read up on your industry, your passions, your interests. Uh, and that way, when these new opportunities do emerge, you're best positioned to take advantage of those opportunities. Well, terrific, Ben. Uh, do you have a resource you'd like to share with us? Please write Ben, and we may share your idea on the show. His address is easy to remember. It's ben at maxlist.org. Now let's turn to you, our listeners, and Jessica Black is here to answer one of your questions. So, Jessica, what's in the MaxList mailbag this week? Yeah, today we have a question from Andrew Cameron. Hi, my name is Andrew Cameron. Uh, I'm in the Portland, Oregon area. I've heard uh, feedback on a number of my interviews that I'm overqualified, and so I would be really interested in your thoughts on um, what that means and what I might be able to do about that. All right. Thanks, Andrew. Um, That has to be a really tough answer to receive, that um, you're overqualified, and I I assume it's probably not being accompanied with much else beyond just the sorry, you're overqualified, goodbye type of an answer. And that has to be tough as well that um, to get that dismissive sort of feeling and not have answers to be able to support you moving forward of how to position yourself well, you know, because that's not really a great, doesn't really help you move forward. Um, So I would actually, um, not knowing the specifics of your individual case, but um, I would recommend sort of following up with those individual uh, hiring managers or whoever it is that, it, that you're con- communicating with, connecting with, um, and who is giving you that that answer. And just, you know, say, respond with a, thanks so much for your response. Um, could I ask for some feedback of, you know, specifically why? Uh, and then sort of maybe move move your, um, move your goals around, uh, again, not knowing your specific case, it's hard for me to give you tangible advice, but I know that we did just, um, cover t- 
touch on this uh, idea briefly a couple of episodes ago. Um, so our um, our guest expert that day um, may have been able to give some some concrete. And you and Ben and uh, Mac, you may be able to fill in a little bit more um, with your feedback. So I know we addressed a similar question a few weeks ago. And so my advice is going to be along the same lines that I, I said there. Um, I don't mean to play into the job seeker insecurity that you're not getting the, the straight answer. The truth of the matter is the the term you're overqualified usually means something else besides you're overqualified. No employer uh, will not take you because you have too many skills. That's like saying you're too awesome for this job. We can't have you here. Um, I think in general what it means is they're afraid that either A, you're going to cost too much or B, this isn't really a job that you're passionate about or want to be at. Uh, or C, this is a job you're taking just to get a paycheck, and as soon as you find something more in line with your qualifications and your passions, you're going to head out the door. And no employer wants to uh, hire someone twice. And so I think oftentimes people get disqualified for overqualifications because they haven't done a good job of framing why they really are interested in that specific job and why they might be willing to uh, not be using all of their skill set because they want this specific job. Yeah, kind of demonstrate the passion for that individual job. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And I agree with you, Jessica. It's always a hard message to hear when you're passed over for an opportunity, uh, particularly one you, you may be really excited about. Yeah, sometimes you f- you individually feel like it's a perfect fit and to hear that it's not is, uh, is a tough message. Yeah, and uh, so I think the way, I, I love Ben's advice here as well, just about, thinking about the objection of the employer, whether it's about your qualifications or other concerns the employer might have, and finding a way to get ahead of them, either through a cover letter. And obviously, Andrew did something really well in his cover letter and his application because he got an interview, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but also in, in the interview itself. And sometimes things aren't, are on people's minds and they're just not brought up. And part of our job when we're candidates is to try to understand what those concerns are and, and uh, get out in front of them as much as we can. Well, thank you, Andrew. And and thanks for those words of encouragement too, Jessica. If you've got a question for uh, Jessica, uh, please email us. Uh, Her address is also easy to remember. It's jessica at maxlist.org. Or you can call our listener line. That number is area code 716-JOB-TALK. That's 716-562-8255. If we use your question on the show, We'll send you a copy of Land Your Dream Job Anywhere. We'll be dropping one in the mail to Andrew this week, and we'd love to send you one as well. We'll be back in just a moment, and when we return, I'll talk to this week's guest expert, Catherine Burek, about how to answer that question that comes up in almost every job interview. Tell me about yourself. Most people struggle with job hunting. The reason is simple. Most of us learn the nuts and bolts of looking for work by trial and error. That's why I produce this podcast, to help you master the skills you need to find a great job. It's also why I wrote my new book, Land Your Dream Job Anywhere. For 15 years at MaxList, I've helped people in Portland, Oregon, find meaningful, well-paying, and rewarding jobs that they love. Now, I put all of my job hunting secrets in one book that can help you no matter where you live. You'll learn how to get clear about your career goals, find hidden jobs that never get posted, and ace your next job interview. 
For more information and to download the first chapter for free, visit maxlist.org slash anywhere. Now let's turn to this week's guest expert, Catherine Burek. Catherine Burek is a partner at The Interview Doctor. She works with both job candidates and employers and speaks frequently about career development and successful job search methods. Catherine has published three books on job hunting as part of the Job Seeker Manifesto series. Her fourth book, Talent Search Marketing Plan, is in the works. She joins us today from Northeastern Ohio. Catherine, thanks for coming on the show. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. Now, we're talking about uh, a perennial job interview question. It's one that comes up almost all the time, and it's tell me about yourself. Now, Catherine, uh, why do you recommend that people not wing this and actually have a strategy in place before answering what it is a pretty simple question? It is a pretty simple question. Uh, sometimes I think that that the hiring manager or the interviewer asks that question because it's sort of like an icebreaker. Another reason why I think they ask it is because they're looking to see how well the the candidate is going to be able to respond. It's a I I always like for candidates to understand that interviews are not discrete events. There's a flow and a rhythm to them, and it usually begins with "Tell me about yourself." They if the candidate has a really solid response to this important question, then they can set the stage and set the tone for the entire interview. They can even knock a hiring manager off of their preferred interview questions if they fill their response, this very short initial response, with so many interesting tidbits that uh, the hiring manager will not be able to resist asking questions about what the candidate said. So you can't wing that, though. What going? What is going on in your head is usually very different from what comes out of your mouth. And in order to make this entire process a strategic event, you really need to plan it out ahead of time. So it's a huge opportunity and you, uh, you don't want to take it for granted or as you say, wing it. How do, you pre- how do you recommend, Catherine, that people prepare their answer to that question? What should they think about? Since this is going to be the, the, the full introductory section of, of an interview, and it's the, such a big opportunity to lay the groundwork for an hour, potentially an hour's worth of conversation, the way I recommend uh, hanging, um, organizing this is, uh, is by thinking about what it is that the hiring manager or the interviewer wants to hear. So what is the purpose behind the job? What are the important characteristics that will make the person who gets hired successful? And then filling this short moment with ideas that will uh, appeal to the hiring manager, to the interviewer. Now, I do have a methodology because I think this is such a strategic opportunity. Is that, do you want to hear about that? Should we yeah, talk about let, that? let's talk yeah. about that because I, I can imagine our listeners are, are thinking, okay, that, that sounds great. Uh, I've got the interview coming up and I, I need to think about the employer's needs and, and, and uh, how I can address them. But how do I do that? So take us through that methodology, Catherine, because people love nuts and bolts advice on this show. 
this is this is the way I do it, and and this methodology comes from my own personal experience many years ago because I am a strong introvert. So what goes on in my head is not necessarily what comes out unless I prepare. So I look at this as the opportunity to have five parts. There are five parts to this response. All five of these parts need to come out in one minute. So it's important to select your words carefully and practice in advance. So there are five parts. The first part are a few facts. Now, when most people answer the tell me about yourself question, they mostly give a few facts. I used to work here. I went to this school. Um, Those are the kinds of pieces of information that usually come out. And those are important pieces of information because they tell the story of your career. But we want to do this at the 30,000 foot level and not inside the resume. If they want to read the resume, the the hiring manager has it in front of them and perhaps has read it in advance. So the the few facts are where you come from, your education, a bit about your work experience. This is not personal. We don't want to know that you were born in a cabin in a woods somewhere. And we don't care necessarily, although it's marvelous, we don't care that you have three children and they're your pride and joy. We want to know a few facts about where you came from. So, for example, my few facts are uh, I'm born and raised in Chicago. The reason why I say that is because I live in Ohio and people in Ohio think that Chicago is pretty interesting. So it's something that I could talk about for hours if that's what they want to talk about. So I usually say I'm born and raised in Chicago. Uh, I went to Northwestern University and Loyola University for my master's degree in human resources and industrial relations. And I usually tell people that I've been in human resources and industrial relations my entire career, um, almost always as a director or vice president. Pretty much those are the facts. Okay, so where you came from, where you went to school, and where your career has been. So those, those three very simple facts. Very simple facts. Okay, step the, number two. Step number two is an accomplishment you're particularly proud of. We put it right here because we just talked about your career, and so it's natural to talk about an accomplishment. And so you say something like, I'm particularly proud of. Just in the next breath, you don't say, and the next part is, you just say, I'm particularly proud of. And you select one accomplishment that you think will just be irresistible to the hiring manager. So if I was going for a job as a, uh, as a director or vice president of human resources in a company where they were particularly interested in talent development, I would pick a talent development story. It would say something like, I'm particularly proud of the talent development program I uh, implemented at my last company that resulted in a five basis point reduction in turnover. See, okay. it's really high level and it's really irresistible. But it's it's based, it's informed by the homework you did because you know what matters to the person sitting across the table from you. And the example you give, I love, Catherine, because it's very specific. Uh, you're not only addressing the concern of the employer, but you're talking about the accomplishment in a measurable way. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and that's impressive. They, You want them to say, really? How did you do that? Okay. Because, you know, in my case, in that kind of an environment, they're struggling almost certainly with turnover. And, and, if, and, and this could apply to anybody. If you're an engineer and you're particularly proud of this thing that nobody else can figure out, then that's what you say. And it compels the hiring manager to say, really? We have that problem. Good. So it, it's based on research. Okay. okay. So, and that gives you an opportunity to, to discuss that further and how you uh, handle that. So point number three, Catherine. 
five words to describe yourself. It's very important that in, that you you tell the person who's listening what you're like. Because what what kind of person are you? So five words without a description. I am high energy, smart, pretty well organized. I like to solve problems and I'm and I like to play with a team. If they're listening to this and that does not fit the kind of environment or values that they have, then in their mind they're going to say, "Nope, this person will not fit with my team." And the and I would say, "Thank you so much because I don't want to work in a place that doesn't value." the kind of person that I am. What's your best advice, Catherine, about how you choose those five words? How do you, how do you see your clients do that? The exercise that I often do with my clients is I usually start with what are the characteristics, uh, competencies that are required to do the job that you want to have? And so often, if the person's in the right career, which most people are, so often when they list those characteristics, and then I might, then I come back and I say, tell me five words. They're almost always characteristics that are necessary to be successful in the job. So they, that's how I suggest you select those words. But I also suggest that you're honest. Because if you're a perfectionist and they don't value a perfectionist, then you're going to be uncomfortable. Well, uh, I want to move on to point four, but two quick things. I can just imagine our listeners saying, well, gosh, Catherine, why five words? Why not seven? Why not three? Why, why is five the magic number here? This is funny because a long time ago, a uh, uh, boss of mine used this question. I just was so intrigued by it. Three words are really easy to come up with. Seven is too many. We're trying to keep this short. Uh, five words are uh, demonstrate to the hiring manager that you really know what you bring to the table. Okay. You didn't come up with five words off the top of your head. All right. It, it requires thought and preparation. I also yes. love your point that if you, when you share your five words, if uh, you don't get a positive reaction from the people that you're interviewing with, it's okay to move on. You don't need to take any job or any offer. You need to be at a place where people are excited about the, the values that you share. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, a hiring manager is looking to hire someone who can do the job. Yes, I can do that job. Who can love the job is brings passion. Okay, I can bring passion. But the thing that the third element is they're trying to hire someone who's going to fit with the team. And as an outsider coming in, I'm not exactly sure whether I'm going to fit with the team. So I might as well be honest. This is what I am. And if they don't want a high energy, pretty smart person who likes to solve problems, work in a team, then they're not going to like me. And I'm okay with that. Okay. Let's move on to number four of this, this five-part formula. What, what's the, the fourth thing that people need to do when answering this question? Well, the fourth and fifth items are, are sort of related. The fourth item is what do you want? And the fifth item is why they should hire you. So they are kind of related and they are a little bit boilerplate. So for example, what you want always should be the job in front of you without saying, I want the job in front of me. But if, because if you go into this thing and you say, well, I'm thinking about retiring or I'd like to move to, uh, you know, Kalamazoo in three years, that's not what they want to hear. They want to hear that you are fascinated by the job that's in front of them. So use it, going back to my example of the, you know, as a talent, as a VP of HR focused on talent development, I would say something like, I'm looking for a position on a senior staff 
where I can work on talent development problems so that the organization can be stronger. Now, you might say that is really stupid. Of course, they're going to think you're going to say that. But I have to say that the last time I was, I went for a real job um, while I, in, in the 2000s, I said that, and it was about a talent development job. And the president interrupted me and said, oh, thank God, that's exactly the problem we're trying to solve. Yeah. He did not think I was faking it. I was faking it, but he didn't think that because that is the problem that they're trying to solve. Good. So know the problem that uh, be clear about why you want that job and, 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 uh, and how you can help them. So, and you, and Catherine, you find that people can hit all five of these points in just a, a minute or two. Is, is that your yeah. experience? That is absolutely my experience. I could tell you mine. I, what I do when I work with clients is I, I time them. And, and if, you're think, if you think this through ahead of time and you edit, you say it out loud and practice it, you absolutely can do this in a minute or less. Okay. There are certain folks that have issues. People who talk a lot, they'll, they'll want to uh, just talk and talk and talk. And so for them, they need practice and discipline to select the right words and, and say it out loud and stick to the script a little bit. Um, people who are uh, really shy, they also need a lot of practice because they, they need to make sure that what comes out of their mouth is what they want to say. But yes, it's absolutely possible. All right. So as with any job interview, you, you need to be clear about what you're going to do and say when you, before you walk into the conversation and, and practice. And, uh, I, I know you've got some resources on your website about how to, how to do this, Catherine, and we'll be sure to include them in the show notes. I, I love this model and I, I, I love the practicality of it. Now tell us, uh, what's coming up next, next for you? Well, we, we have a, a series of three books for job seekers in the what we call our Job Seeker Manifesto. We put this together because we wanted to share some of our clients' experiences with folks who are uh, who are out there in the in the marketplace. These books are available at our website, interviewdoc.com, but they are also available on Amazon under my name, Catherine Burek. The first book is uh, 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 Job Search Marketing Plan which lays out how you set up your job search. The second book is Resumes 3.0, which lays out how you organize your job search materials. The third book is Tell Me About Yourself, which is the topic we were just talking about, which goes to how you are organizing all of your thoughts so that you can intelligently answer these kinds of questions that you're likely to get. Great. We'll be sure to include links to all three books as well as your website in the show notes. And, and again, that URL is interviewdoc.com. Catherine, thanks for being on the show today. It's been my pleasure, Mac. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Take care. Well, we're back in the Max List studio with Jessica and Ben. What did you two think of my conversation with Catherine? Jessica, your thoughts? Uh, it was really interesting, and I loved her point about, um, well, she gave the five steps, which I thought were really, uh, really fascinating. And then um, I loved that she said that, you know, if you organize your thoughts and your your points that you want to convey, you can easily convey that in one to two minutes, um, no problem, which I think is 
is um, definitely something that that people should hear, you know, to really emphasize that point of her. She, she made it at the very beginning of don't, don't wing it. Um, and really come into this strategically and, um, and it's much more effective that way. Yeah. And I, I think you're right. A lot of people might hear that Jessica, as you're saying, uh, gosh, I can boil that down to two minutes. That's going to be hard. That's going to be hard. Yeah. yeah. But actually two minutes is actually a pretty long time. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and preparation makes all the difference. Oh, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. yeah. What, what, what about you, Ben? What were your thoughts? There are two points that she made that I really liked. Uh, the first one uh, was the idea of of not winging it, right? Which should be your your rule of thumb for every interview question. Uh, you shouldn't walk into that interview room without thinking through the questions that you know you're going to hear. There's probably a half dozen questions that get asked in 90% of every interview. Just have prepared answers to those. There's no reason not to have that. Um, you're just putting more pressure on yourself when you don't have those things scripted yeah. out ahead of time. And, and that's been a theme from on so many podcasts now where we've talked about job interviews. I, I mean, with um, uh, Dan Miller and other guests in the past. Yeah, and it's you almost get the sense like it's a kabuki dance, right? Where like you know what they're going to say, they know what you're going to say, but you have to do it anyway. Um, and Sometimes that feels uncomfortable, but really the easiest thing is just to play the game, have everything scripted out, and you know know what you're going to do ahead of time. The other item that she said that I really liked was uh, stating that you want the job. And it's amazing how often um, I've interviewed people who don't actually – they don't evince any interest in the job, and they never actually say they want the job in the interview. And so the feeling I get as the person interviewing them is like, why would I want to bring this person on? They don't want to be here. They want to be doing something else. And so uh, grounding the very first response in why you want this specific position, I think that's uh, something you need to do in that first question, but also reiterate multiple times throughout the course of the interview. Yeah. I think that's a really good point about stating. I don't think that's something that interviewees think about often. At least that's not um, something that comes to mind for me of like, you know, I'm here, I'm interviewing. Obviously I want the job, but I think that if you don't say it, it's not obvious. And I think that that's a really, that's a really good point that people should be reminded of. And you don't need to say, I want this job or I want you to hire me. You of can use not. other things like, you know, what really excites me about this position is dot, mm-hmm. dot, dot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's right. Yeah. My business coach at my other firm, Pritchard Communications, he uh, coaches me on uh, getting new clients. And he says, you've always got to ask for the order. And uh, to your point, Jessica, and, and, and you as well, Ben, uh, you've got to make that ask. And it can be indirect, uh, but you just can't assume that uh, – you other candidates will do it so you better do it as well and it will also help you stand out well thank you both and thank you Catherine, for joining us this week and thank you our listeners for downloading this edition of find your dream job if you like what you hear please sign up for our free weekly newsletter in every issue we give you the key points of that week's show we also include links to all the resources mentioned and you get a transcript of the full episode If you subscribe to the newsletter now, we'll send you our job seeker checklist. In one easy-to-use file, we show you all the steps you need to take to find a great job. Get your free newsletter and checklist today. Go to maxlist.org slash podcast. And join us next Wednesday when our special guest will be Ed Han. He'll explain how to sync your resume and your LinkedIn page. Until next time, thanks for letting us help you find your dream job.